What's up, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. I know it is early in the week. Uh, Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, and Eric Lopez here with you. But we're doing a very special American Athletic Conference Baseball Tournament Preview Edition for you. This will be a quick little podcast before, well, at least two-thirds of us head out to Clearwater for the tournament. Uh, and logistically, things get begin to get a little weird. But we have a lot to talk about in particular uh, having to do with that. Eric Lopez is here. Brian Murphy is here. How are you, gentlemen? Fantastic. <laughs> Elo, Elo, is, are, Elo, are you there or are you, like, asleep? I am listening. No, I'm I, here. <laughs> you're listening. Okay. Well, we got a lot to talk about here. Uh, Blackandgoldbanneret.com is the place to be. You can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret, Facebook.com slash Blackandgoldbanneret. You can follow us each individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elo, and Spokes underscore Murphy. All right. Let's dive right in on it, shall we? 2019 American Athletic Conference Baseball Championship is set. At uh, Spectrum Field in Clearwater, Florida, home of the Philadelphia Phillies during the spring, UCF finishes the regular season at 34 and 20, 11 and 13 in the American Athletic Conference. Good enough for the sixth seed by virtue of beating Houston two out of three in the final weekend, including an 11 to 10, 11 inning thriller, one of the weirdest, most bizarre, most really exciting baseball games you'll probably ever see. Um, to finish out and it turns out that that was a huge break for UCF because just like we were thinking right before the series um fellas UCF ends up catching a break here in terms of who they are with in the in the bracket so the tur- the f- the tournament is uh, they divide the field into two four team double elimination brackets and the survivors of each of those brackets play in a one game winner take all championship uh the tournament starts Tuesday, May 21st, we're recording this on Monday night. And UCF is in a bracket with Memphis, who they beat two out of three. Cincinnati, who they lost two out of three to, but the third one was a walk-off home run, and it was at Cincinnati. And then Tulane, who they beat two out of three. On the other side, you have ECU as the one, UConn as the four, Houston's the five, and Wichita State, the six. USF was eliminated. They finished in ninth in the conference. Only the top eight get to move on to the tournament. So looking back at how the series finished out with Houston, the Knights are hot. They're, uh, they're uh, was it eight out of nine? Brian, is that right? I believe so, yes. So they're, so they're, they're peaking at the right time, aren't they? Well, yeah, and you can talk about how the series against Houston broke right for them. Uh, it, it, again, it's it's sort of beneficial in a weird way, I believe, for them not to have swept Houston, which would have put them up into the five seed, and then they would have had that they would have been basically in ECU side of the bracket. And really, right. you just don't want to be on ECU side of the bracket. This is the ECU team that uh, set the conference all-time record for conference victories. They have twenty wins in conference season, so you want to stay away from them. And as you've documented. They're facing three teams. They're possibly facing three teams on their side of the bracket that they've either beaten or uh, competed really well against in Cincinnati. So, uh, but no, I, I think I wrote about this last night. Uh, they're they are probably the second hottest team in this conference outside of. They're probably the hottest team in this conference right now outside of the Pirates with the way they've just sort of run off victories here. And, and again, I'll restate it for like the thousandth time. 
it's amazing how this team has uh, sort of come out of the ashes after really being dead to rights after that walk-off loss with two outs in the ninth inning at Cincinnati when they were 5-10 and ten in conference. To be where they are now, it's a, a pretty semi-miraculous turnaround. I would I would say it's even more miraculous than we think, especially when you think that I think that UCF right now is the favorite to come out of the bottom of the bracket, or at least they should be. And here's that's why. That, yeah, it's that you can you can definitely argue that. Yeah. So I looked at the RPI and I sent this out on Twitter. I looked at the RPIs of the eight teams in the field and split them up by the brackets that they're in. In the top of the bracket, you've got ECU with an RPI of four, UConn at 29, Houston at 44, Wichita State 95. In the bottom of the bracket, Cincy, who's the number two seed, they're actually, they actually finished the regular season three games under 500 overall. Their RPI is 108. Tulane's RPI is 94. UCF is 42. Memphis is 124. So what that means is UCF has not only the highest RPI, on their side of the bracket, they have that by 52 spots. We should and, also, well, yeah, I should oh, also go ahead. the RPI has been moved now that UCF is now at 44, but the point remains. I mean, your point remains. Tulsa, uh, Tulane, by the way, is at 96 now. This is as, okay. this is as of Monday night. <laughs> All right. So even, even so, this is, this is one of the things I think, and double check me on this. UCF is playing in a bracket with three other teams whose RPI is about the same or lower than the worst team in the other half of the bracket. (laughs) Okay? So, I mean, that tells you that their path to the championship might be, you know, Pretty easier than people think. Okay, so the the most updated RPI, ECU's 5, UConn's 28, Houston's 40. There's your top three right there. They're all on the same side of the bracket. UCF yeah. is 44, like you said. Um, Still top on tops on their side of the bracket. Then you have Wichita at 91. So four of your top five are on the other side. I mean, yeah. it, it, it just, it's amazing how that all yeah, worked but, out. But, but here, here's the thing, right? We're making all this. And you know what? If we're in Memphis right now, they'd be saying the same thing. Hey, it's a pretty good draw. Cincinnati's probably saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. And Tulane, same thing. And Brian can speak to this. Mm-hmm. Yes, UCF had success against Tulane. They won two out of three. They won two out of three against Memphis. Law was one pitch away from winning the Cincinnati series. It wasn't like it was a one-sided series. You, I think this bracket is completely wide open. And I think you could make a case for all four teams to get to the championship game. And I guarantee you that's, you know, I think this is one of the reasons why this is maybe the most compelling American Conference baseball championship series they've had since the league began in 2014. Because you can make a case for all four teams to make a run. And, and Murph, you can speak to this, having watched every, the team the whole year. It's not like, I mean, UCF's got flaws here that, that's got issues here in, the, in this bracket that they could have some problems against Tulane or Memphis offense when they go up against their offense and things like that. It's not like there's a clear advantage. No, I mean, I mean, Tulane, as much as they're great offensively and they have the player of the year, uh, they, they have the obvious player of the year in Cody Hosey. 
their pitching leaves a lot to be desired. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's really, it's, you know, it's about does UCF get the pitching they've gotten from guys like Chris Williams for most of the second half of the season, uh, especially Jordan Spicer, Grant Sherman, who will probably pitch game two of this conference tournament for them. Uh, do they, do they step up and, 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 and kind of pitch the way they've pitched uh, recently? And uh, then does the top of the lineup for UCF, like Micah, Alejo, Osik, Beaver, uh, do they, do they, do they show up? And so it's all for grabs, but the thing I think we're all trying to say is this is so much of an easier draw because yeah, either of these four teams can make it out, but if you're on EC, if you're on ECU side of the bracket, you're kind of dead as soon as you run into yeah. them. There's murderers row over there. I mean, and Eric, you were talking about from, you know, from your article before the Houston series that, you know, to you, UConn, Houston, and Tulane, they were right there on the bubble. And, I mean, if you're a UConn and Houston, you got to be like, well, I mean, it, 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 yes, we have to get through ECU. That's probably going to clinch us the, chan- the, the an, an at-large spot anyway. So would you, if, if that's the case, would you rather be one of those two or would you rather be UCF with, you know, as – as I don't want to say soft, but as as clear a path to the championship game as possible. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking to improve your RPI, you're on the other side of the bracket is going to improve that. Like UCF's not going to get any quality wins on their bracket yeah. until they, if they get to the final, maybe. Um, but on the other hand, you look at the situation like Houston and Connecticut are going to open against each other. So one of them is going to lose and already be in the loser's bracket game. And let's say it is against Wichita State. Uh, there's pressure to win that game because you would if they lose that game, whoever loses the Houston-UConn game has to beat Wichita State. Otherwise, they go 0-2, and that could be curtains as far as the, the, the NCAA tournament is concerned. So there is that Worst risk. case scenario is if Wichita State even fi- finds a way to upset ECU. Or, or, which, that's by the way, we're acting, I know, Mer, which we're acting like East Carolina is a foregone conclusion of, and you both have covered this tournament. Jeff, you've been there every year just about. If anything, there is no certainty. We've seen top seeds lose early in this conference tournament. We saw this with UCF two years ago when they were the number one seed and mm-hmm. drew East Carolina. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, this is the, There's no certainty here. I think UCF's got a great draw. I agree that they're, they're in the right bracket. I just am not as confident to say, well, this is definitely theirs to lose or anything like, or make them the heavy favor because, and Murph knows this, which Chris Williams are we going to get Tuesday night against Tulane could mm-hmm. dictate how this tournament goes? Because Murph, don't you agree? UCF cannot, I don't think, can dig themselves out of the loser's bracket. Like maybe an East Carolina can or a Houston or a UConn can. Uh yeah, probably that's right. I think that the danger with the losers bracket because you all you you still need to have a a an eye toward the NCAA tournament is it's if you lose that first game right out of the gate, then the pressure is all on you, and you probably need to win no fewer than two and probably maybe three games in a row if you lose that first game. And mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I kind of disagree with the whole of the whole the, the the premise of you don't know what you're gonna get. Because Grant, if there if there has been, uh, you know, if you want to rank the starters that UCF has had uh, over the past couple of months, uh, Grant Sherman's probably my number one, and then Jordan Spicer's probably been second best, and then yeah. Williams is third. Now Williams is starting here because they lined him up this way, 
Uh, going back to last Tuesday at FAU, he, he's pitched there at FAU, did not pitch well, had no fastball command really, uh, and, and, and got hit around. But he's lined up on full rest to go uh, on Tuesday, and, and, then, and then Sherman will follow him and Spicer will follow him. Uh, so if they lose the first game, it's not that I fear what's behind Williams because they had the pitching. They had the pitching to to win a couple of games. It's just the pressure really builds up on you yeah. if you lose that first game. Well, and the yeah, bullpen, they- Murph. The bullpen is my concern when you get in a loser's bracket. How many arms you got to throw each game? Because we've seen this team blow leads. We were there on Saturday night. They had an eight to one lead. Uh, they couldn't hold it. They had what twelve walks as a staff. Yeah, uh, but you know, and it, that's the night- thing that's unpredictable. Saturday night's game against Houston was sort of a microcosm of UCF's last month. It was the third game in the past three and a half weeks in which they won the game by a single run after leading the game by at least six. It's just a weird quirk that this team has. Like, no lead is safe. So just, you know, I I don't know what it is. But uh, you're right. The bullpen is still shorthanded. There's probably only three or four guys they really trust. They almost used Chris Williams on Saturday night. Uh, you know, maybe Louis Ferrer, who pitched that eleventh inning, could have gone uh, maybe an inning more, and then they would have, they would have to go they would have to, to go into Williams there. They warmed him up, but fortunately, uh, Brandon Hernandez came through, and they didn't have to use Williams, so he's on full rest. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the bullpen is not uh, deep, especially deep, but the starting rotation has been better, and I think with that those top four hitters with Alejo, Micah. Osik Beaver and possibly Dallas, uh, 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 Wingo, Dalton Wingo, that you've, you've got a, a good semblance of an offense mixed with some pretty solid and dependable starting pitching. You know, one of the other things that you have to contend with too is, is the format of the tournament as well. So this, it starts Tuesday, four games starting at 9 a.m., and then they reward you if you're in the winner side of the bracket. You win, you get a day off. But if yeah. you're on the loser side, you got to come back the next day. The, the the elimination games are on Wednesday. The uh, winners bracket games are Thursday, and then the uh, and then they go back to the elimination bra- the elimination games on uh, on Friday, semifinals on Saturday, and then they just play the whole thing off until you get two teams left. But you, yeah, I mean, you do get punished for losing in this in this particular case. Not that you're going to have pitchers going back to back, but it is. It's nice to get that extra 24 hours of rest, no? Oh, absolutely. And again, we're talking about the pressure now. Not only if you lose that first game, do you do you need to you know win the next couple of games to have a chance at the NCAA's? Mm-hmm. You got to come right back, and maybe maybe that first game you lose is a an eight, seven game that you got to use four or five arms. And now you're really shorthanded. Uh, so yeah, it's a huge benefit. I, and so um, I will say one thing I wanted to point out too, about this matchup with Tulane. So as UCF sends out Chris Williams, Tulane's probably going to send out, send out uh, Caleb Roper, um, a right-hander, a uh, senior right-hander. He has a six above, he has an ERA above six in conference, but as uh, fate would have it, uh, by far, his best start of the year in conference came against UCF. It was the opening game at Tulane in their series a few weeks ago. Uh, he struck out 11 over eight innings, giving up one run. So, uh, you know, uh, other teams have hit him really hard. UCF had a lot of problems against him. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, this time. It also, since I mentioned that, I should mention that Chris Williams 
uh, was spectacular. One of his best starts of the season was at Tulane the following day, which he allowed two runs over seven innings. So uh, both these teams, both these pitchers have had, have had successes against these offenses in the last couple of weeks. We'll see if those offenses have learned anything. All right. We'll pick up that conversation actually here in a little bit. We'll take a quick break, and we'll dive in a little bit more in depth into whoever else is on UCF side of the bracket uh, in the American Athletic Conference Baseball Championship and where we'll be uh, for the week as well. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banner Podcast, our special American Athletic Conference Baseball Tournament Preview Edition. Uh, UCF is the sixth seed in the American tournament at Clearwater. We played at Spectrum Field. Um, and you can catch all of the action on the American Digital Network. If you go to theamerican.org, um, also facebook.com slash theamerican, uh, you'll, be able to, um, you'll be able to catch uh, all these games, including a quadruple header on Tuesday, May 21st. Uh, UCF's opener will be the nightcap. Uh, against number three, Tulane, 47 minutes following game three, which is between Memphis and Cincinnati. That's scheduled for 4 p.m. Eastern time. So those are the four teams in UCF side of the bracket, UCF, Memphis, Cincinnati, and Tulane. Uh, and, you know, well, well, we talked about the RPIs. We talked about the matchups and all that. But um, it, it, you mentioned right before the break, Brian, that you know, Tulane, you know, we don't know what we're going to get. Uh, obviously, your Friday starters are going to go in that first game. Is at least that's what we're expecting. At least of it, as of this point, is that right on Tuesday? Well, not not typically. You'll have for UCF. You'll have Chris Williams, mm-hmm. who's not really their Friday starter, but since they lined him up to pitch last Tuesday at FAU, he's yeah, on okay. a full, he's on a full week's rest here. Yeah. How much does this like you know if you're Greg Lovelady, you know how much does this really? What's the ideal setup here? For your pitching staff, this is it. Actually, uh, he admitted it. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> uh, again, they did not want to use Williams in that game Saturday night against Houston, but they almost had to. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't. Ha- so, so, the, but they were able to stay away from him. And then they'll. And then because Sherman pitched Thursday and Spicer pitched Friday, then at worst you're looking at Sherman on five days rest and and, and Spicer on five days rest at worst. So you expect That's if you get, lose on Tuesday, if you lose on Tuesday, I mean, at right. worst, you'd have them on five days rest. So at least that that you have them year full rest, you would get you would get most of the 100 percent of what you expect out of them. And then you have Chris coming on a full week of rest. So they had their entire starting rotation basically lined up, you know, in, in a pretty good form. And and, and love lady admitted that after the game on Saturday uh, said it, it's, it's all lined up the way we want it to. And I think we have that uh, sound right here. Hang on one second. Here's here's Greg Lovelady talking about it. Anyone can beat anybody in our league. I mean, one through eight, it's going to be a grind. And, you know, if some of you wants to play East Carolina and beat them for the RPI, but obviously they're really good, so you kind of want to stay away. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, you really can't control anything. You, you're going to have to beat everybody at some point, and you just go out there and who's ever uh, in the other dugout we're going to try to beat. I believe you do face Tulane uh, yeah. to start off. Does that give you confidence knowing you've already beat them? Yeah, especially with beating them on the road. But we we got we to gotta be ready. Their offense is obviously potent. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we, we 
we got to do a better job offensively, probably against Roper that, than we did, um, and find a way to make adjustments. And but we got a lot of film. We, we've obviously they're they're fairly fresh in our mind. You know, if you play East Carolina or um, UConn, it's man, you almost have forgotten those series by now. But I think Tulane will be fresh in our mind on what they did to us, how they attacked us, um, and, and what we got to do to make adjustments. That's Greg Lovelady talking about uh, talking on Saturday night about the uh, upcoming week. Um, on the other side for UCF, you have Cincinnati and Memphis. Memphis is back in the tournament after a one-year absence. Last year, they didn't qualify. They finished in dead last. Their pitching staff has been you know, kind of inconsistent, to say the least. You know, they finished 10-13 and 13 in conference, 27-26 and 26, um, overall. I mean, they did get the shot in the arm on offense, as they seem to do you know, every single year, but... Um, but they're they're going to be a, a again you know which Memphis team decides to show up. By the way, the postseason awards came out. Cody Hosey of Tulane was named the Player of the Year. Um, uh, Jake Agnes from uh, ECU is named the Pitcher of the Year. Hunter Goodman was that freshman from Memphis I was mentioning from Arlington, Tennessee, who is the newcomer position player of the year. Newcomer pitcher was Devon Rodal of uh, of uh, of Houston. Cliff Godwin, former UCF assistant under Terry Rooney, congratulations on his second Coach of the Year award um, in the American. For UCF, by the way, uh, Matthew Micah uh, was named uh, first-team all-conference at second base. Uh, and then also on the second team, Grant Sherman, your boy, uh, uh, Murph, uh, the redshirt senior, was named, uh, was named to the second team, uh, as well as Ray Alejo uh, as an outfielder on the second team. Um, as well, I should mention any issues there. Any issues there, Murph? As far as the awards are concerned, there you you have any problems there? Anybody got omitted, or you you're good with that? Uh, yeah, I think I'm fine with that. I think you know Tyler Osick is a is a, you know is a candidate. Certainly, I think he's top ten in Lincoln hitting. And the way that uh, that Ray Alejo started the year, uh, you know he could have he could have really earned himself some recognition or, or more recognition. But he kind of faltered late, um, so no, I don't. I don't have huge qualms about any of that. Uh, any of those choices. Interestingly enough, by the way, Joe Janord from South Florida was named first team All Conference first baseman. There was a tie for the first baseman on the second team between Joe Davis of Houston and Spencer Brickhouse of um, ECU. That's kind of um, wild. I, I, that was my that issue. That was surprising. Davis and Brickhouse to me should have been the first teamers. I mean, uh, well, Brickhouse was just... the first team DH also. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Um, but that Davis interesting. is a stud. I mean, Davis is that Houston offense. I mean, Murph and I saw him up close uh, this past week. I mean, he's a stud. I mean, he's, he I, provides I, all the power. I would have yeah. gone with and credit him. to Greg Lovelady because he wanted no part of Joe Davis oh, that entire week, and he Greg walked Lovelady, him out. <laughs> Greg, Lovelady was, Greg Lovelady was giving Joe Davis the Barry Bonds treatment that yeah, Bud yeah. showed him through, like oh, walking yeah. everywhere anytime. Didn't matter there was guys on first and second. Didn't matter. Walk him. And I, and I don't blame him one bit because when Davis did get a hold of a couple, he did he 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 hurt UCF a couple of times when he did see pitches to hit. Yeah, um, yeah, no by, by the way, Mer, uh, Jeffrey, I, I got to tell you that Cincinnati Memphis game you're going to call might be the most intriguing game from the standpoint as you you made the good point earlier. You really don't know what you're going to get from either of these teams. These two teams are capable of getting blown out. 12 nothing, 12-2. They're also capable of beating you 12-7. to seven. And I think that's been the story with these two teams. Yeah. Like Memphis got destroyed 
by East Carolina the first two games. They come back the last game of the series and win 10-9. to nine. Uh, Cincinnati, I, I think back to the UCF series, and I remember, I think I was with Murph in the car. We were listening to UCF crushing Cincinnati on that first game of that series. It was like, what, 15 nothing, Murph, something like that? And, uh, yeah. Cincinnati, they, and I'm thinking, you know, yeah, we run-rolled them. He yeah. run-rolled them, and then Cincinnati comes back and wins the series. I think that's the most unpredictable game. Uh, you you could tell me what's going to happen there, and I'll believe it. You could tell me that's a, a nail biter, and it goes tw- fourteen innings. I'll, be- I'll believe it. I could also see it being like a thirteen to one game. I mean, it's really might be the most unpredictable game I think of the four. Yeah. Well, well, the last time <laughs> uh, I I called an American Athletic Conference tournament baseball game between Cincinnati and Memphis, it was the highest scoring game in the history of the tournament. <laughs> uh, it was. It was fifteen to fourteen Memphis in ten innings, and um, and uh, it was really actually one of the most amazing games. Like the wind was blowing out that day because they were expecting a pretty bad storm system to come in. But um, I would not be surprised if I saw the same exact situation um, that time. Interestingly, a note about Cincinnati too: um, they had no players named to either the first or the second team. Mm. I think they're, they're the, the only. Aren't they the most bizarre number two seed ever? Like, are they are very like you I just yeah. kind of, it's, it's almost like you ch- you have to like double check. Like, really, they're the two seed. Like, uh, and in a, in a lot of ways, that doesn't surprise me because they don't jump out at you, but yet they found ways to win games in the league. It's just very fascinating. It's amazing were- that amazing that a team that ranks last in the league in offense and <laughs> seventh in the league in pitching. Finished seventh. seventh. Yeah, seventh out of nine in pitching. <laughs> they have, uh, and this is another thing, they, they went 13 and 19 out of conference. They have no hitters, no hitters who hit 300 or better. That's really hard to do in college baseball. Yeah. And yet I mean, they're, they're the second seed. But I, I think it, what it tells you, though, is I think they know how to win close games because they probably, you know, I think the UCF series kind of showed that where, you know, they got blown out in one game. They bounced back, found a way to win the series. I think that's their story. So it, it's it's not pretty on paper, but, you know, what you find ways to win games. And that's why they're that, – that, this whole bracket's fascinating to me because, uh, you know, I think UCF, you know, certainly uh, if they can get to the final, I think they're going to be in the NCAA tournament, whereas everybody else, basically, if they're in the final, they're there to steal a bid. And they could yeah. steal a bid from their own conference. And so that's what's so fascinating about it that I don't know on a daily basis what you're going to get from these teams. And I think that, in a way, describes the 2019 American Conference season. Outside of East Carolina, I don't know if we really know what we're getting from everybody else on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, it's Now, to me, I don't know, Murph, what do you think? Is it? Do you think that that's because – there was just parity in the conferences here, or do you think that it was just a rough year for the league overall? No, I don't. I don't think there's really another standout team. Like, there's really a lot of these teams have flaws. Like, yeah. we're talking about the number two team in Cincinnati that has the worst RPI of any team in the league. They <laughs> they have an RPI that's one spot lower than South Florida, who didn't make the tournament. That's right. Uh, that's, yeah, Tulane. Tulane has a pitcher going tomorrow who is technically their ace who, again, had a ERA of six in conference. And their pitching staff this year has been awful. And they're the three seed. Uh, you know, UConn, you expected more of. Really, you expected more of UCF. They've made this late charge, winning 11-14. to 14. 
talking about winning close more from Houston a little bit, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. And you talk about winning close games. Houston's a real head scratcher this year, yeah. During this stretch, when UCF has won 11 to 14, uh, six of the wins are by one run. So by hook or by crook, this team is somehow, you know, getting it done. Yeah, it's this, I, this I will, will be, say this. This will be a I wild mean, week for sure. I will say this. I think part of it is this is kind of I feel like it was a transition year in the league. There was a lot of talent, Murph, that kind of left after last year, right? From a MLB draft standpoint, um, Cincinnati, I think you have a new head coach at Cincinnati. Memphis is kind of uh, Jeff, you could speak more about Memphis situation, but they're kind of did some changes there a little bit. Uh, I feel like some of these teams have kind of been in transition a little bit, uh, especially on the UCF side of the bracket. Uh, UCF's got a new pitching coach in, in Adi this year. So I feel like there's been some t- yeah. tweaks there in the staffs and as well as p- player personnel. I don't think it's, it's definitely not as strong of a league as it was, say, last year or uh, where it had all the talent. Yeah. In the conference RPI, it's a little lower than it was last year, but it's definitely just not as strong. I mean, South Florida doesn't make the tournament because they they lost, among other pieces, a first-round pitcher in Shane McClanahan. Wichita State lost the number three overall pick in Alec Baum. Uh, you know, and so now, really, look, this year, there's probably one first-rounder in this league that's probably Cody Cozy, and he worked himself into that realm. He was nowhere near that quality heading into this season. So that the, the level of top-end talent, at least uh, looking to the pros, probably isn't there this year as to where it was there a little more last year. Yeah. And you were mentioning uh, uh, Memphis, Eric. You know, they Darren Schoenrock is still there. I mean, they found an absolute gem in Hunter Goodman as, as the freshman hit 332 yeah, yeah. Um, this year. But when you look down, up and down their pitching staff, you know, it, it, they have the consistent starters from Durham, Alex Hicks, who's been there for a while, and Hunter Smith. But the best DRA out of that group is Durham, who's got a 3.57 and a 4-3 and record in 68 innings. Their best pitcher in terms of ERA is Colton Neal, who's basically their closer, a 0.95 earn run average in 18 appearances. He's got uh, 10 saves to his credit. The other issue with Colton Neal is he's actually a position player <laughs> and, and he's, he's kind of a, a, as an outfielder, a five, nine senior from, uh, uh, from Cordova, which by the way, coincidentally, he was the guy who in that crazy 15, 14 game against Cincinnati um, two years ago had uh, retired the last, I think it was 10 Bearcats in that game and then had the game winning walk-off single in the 10th. So um, I, 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 my first thought on that was uh, that guy, if there was, remember the old arena football league, there was the Iron Man of the Year award. They would go to the guy who played both ways. Like Barry Wagner won it every year, I think, for the Orlando Predators. If there was such a thing for the American, I think Colton Neal would win it because he's also a 289 hitter um, in 194 at-bats. So anyway, all right. Um, like we said, it's going to be a wild tournament down in Clearwater. Um at uh, at Spectrum Field. If you're heading down there, as we are, drive safe. Murph, I know you're heading down there on Tuesday. I will be heading down there Tuesday, too, because uh, I will be tag-teaming uh, with uh, Jeff Brightwell uh, and uh, and Garrett Wolverd on uh, on calling the game for on calling the games for the American uh, Digital Network. I'll be doing any games that Memphis plays in because Jeff Brightwell has to do. Um, 
uh, has to do play-by-play for Memphis uh, radio. That's his regular job. So I will step into the booth when he goes and does the radio. So, and I wanted to say uh, a very special thank you to um, to the folks at the American and and the guys with L2 Productions also for inviting me down there for the fourth consecutive year now. It's a real thrill. It's one of the highlights of the year for me uh, to be able to do these games. And uh, and and I've been. I've been sort of kind of a good luck charm. I like to think for Memphis when they've been there because uh, they made a run all the way to semifinal Saturday in my first year there. And then uh, the only thing standing in their way uh, the second time was uh, UConn's really good pitching staff. But um, the weather should be wonderful in Clearwater this week. We are expecting high 80s to low 90s all throughout the week, mostly sunny to sunny. Nothing more than a 20% chance of rain on Tuesday. And we're not even really expecting that. It's going to be hot. And sunny. Played opposite of last dry. year. No two oh, yeah. We will, to, we, will yeah. get, we will not get to visit uh, Steve Carlton Field or whatever's behind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was interesting facilities to be sure back there, but all the games likely will be, uh, will be played there uh, over at the, over at the big field, at spectrum field. And, uh, and like we said, UCF schedule, if the, uh, they are the nightcap, so they will play, 30, 47 minutes following the end of Game 3, which is Memphis and Cincy, which will be uh, starting at 4 p.m. They're expecting Eastern time. So you can think you see up probably at least 7 Eight, o'clock. 8.30, right? I would, I would say about I – would, I would say 7.30 probably to be safe. Um, well, 7.30 is a quick game, so I don't know. I'm, I, if we're going over-under, yeah, I think doesn't start before – I would say over-under, I don't think, I don't think UCF starts before 7.50, 7.50. Okay, I'll go with that. I agree. Right. You, hear, you hear that, Trilco? Write it down. Um, yeah. That's our new game for the tournament. If UCF loses, they would play Wednesday uh, in the late game. The first game starts at uh, first game starts at three p.m. on Wednesday. That's the first two elimination games. If they win, they would play Thursday in the late game, um, and then uh, it proceeds to Friday with uh, f- with further elimination games. And then semifinal uh, Saturday, again, all at Spectrum Field. And you can watch every game of the tournament on the American Digital Network. If you hop over to theamerican.org, they'll have links to the, all the games uh, and the live stats. The final will be on ESPN News. So, uh, and the final Sunday. will be on ESPN News. That's right. Uh, scheduled for Sunday at noon. So, uh, yeah, we have a lot. Of- Lopez, are you coming down? Yeah, I'm coming later in the week. I... Uh- Unfortunately, I'm very nervous for Murph in the in regards that you're calling that Cincinnati Memphis game. Murph might be on the you might be there in the stadium like till like two in the morning. I mean, it, that's <laughs> it could be a long night I, there. But yeah, I'll be there late. We'll get there later in the week. It's a long process week. I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, keep this in mind. We'll, we'll be we'll be hanging out. I, I'll I, Murph. I'll be hanging out on Tuesday night for the nightcap with you. I'll be there. Yeah, but Frenchies will be closed by the time that UCF. No. That's no fun. No, you guys are kidding me. <laughs> the, Seriously? Only, well, what they're happened? Not, they're not going to keep. They're not going to keep it open. You know, once the game is over. No, 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 no. no. I'm going to let. I'm, I'm going to let the guys know that that you're in town, and we're going to have to keep it open. <laughs> All right. So, so let let's go real quick here. Let let's get real quick here. Okay. Hey, what does UCF? I'll ask you both. What does UCF have to do outside of the obvious, which is win the conference tournament to get the automatic bid? What do you see as they have to do to feel good about getting an NCAA tournament uh, at large bid uh, from this tournament? 
I'm going to defer to Murph, but I guess I'll go on the record first. I think if UCF wants to feel safe or as safe as humanly possible without having to beat ECU on Saturday, they will have to plow through their side of the bracket and not lose any games and not get stuck in the loser's bracket. I don't think it matters that they lose once. I think it matters the number of wins they rack up, and they need to get three if they want to feel good. Two is at the absolute bare minimum. Remember this time last year, even after they went 0-2 in the conference tournament, we were still watching other teams and bubble watching and all that stuff. If this team goes 0-2, you can shut it down until February because there's no way they're, they're, they're making the tournament. They don't make it until unless they win at least two at a bare minimum and probably three if they want to feel somewhat safe. So, Murph, best case scenario, beat Tulane Tuesday, beat – uh, I would imagine Cincinnati on Thursday, and then okay. beat, and then maybe beat Tulane again on Friday. I mean, that, the, again, I don't think it matters who. I, I don't know if because yeah, the just, opponent doesn't matter, right? The RPI is not. Right. Good. You're not getting Probably any not help really or, or Saturday. It's just, yeah, there's there's not many hard there's not many high RPI wins here, so it's about getting victories. That, by the way, we've said this now for a couple of weeks, and we said like blatantly on the show last week. They used to have needed to win four or five. Well, they did win two of three, so mm-hmm. now they would need to win two more. And just to be safe, why don't you go get a third? And even Greg Lovelady said the same thing, I think, on Friday night after the loss to Houston, saying they know they need to win, uh, you know, probably three games. So, yeah. Well, something yeah, to keep go. in mind. How something to keep in mind? How many upset bids, steal bids, or happen elsewhere in the in the in the in college baseball this week? Also, I mean, I think I'm with Jeff. UCF to me has to get to the final for a couple reasons. If they don't get to the final, that means Cincinnati, Tulane, or Memphis is, which means they're one game away potentially from an upset in the final from stealing a bid. And more than likely, that'll be at UCF's expense or somebody else's in the league's expense. Um, so I think they got to get to the final. I don't. That doesn't matter if it's they get to the final with zero loss or one loss. I just think they got to get to the final. The other thing you got to root for if you're UCF. I think you would be really you would be fine with either UConn or Houston being bowed out early, because uh, that would put them in a real bind there. Maybe you jump them as a possibility, isn't it at large? Um, and I think so. That's why I think you're probably rooting for East Carolina to knock those two teams off. I think the worst case scenario would be if East Carolina got knocked off by Houston and Connecticut, for example. Yeah. Uh, so I think th- so. I think those which could happen, and I think that's what's going to be so fascinating about this tournament. I think this league is a three bid league. But I think the question is going to be who are going to be the three bids outside of East Carolina, I think is the question. I think that's up for grabs right now because I think Houston and Connecticut and UCF are fighting for at-larges, and then you have a bunch of teams like we've talked about with Tulane. And I think the team that I like a lot is Memphis. I think I'm scared. I think Memphis is the team that would not shock me. I could see a scenario, Jeffrey, where you're calling a Memphis-UCF game with the winner to advance to the final. which and Memphis. Yeah, because Memphis, let me tell you, they got the number three offense in the American very quietly. They can hit. They've struggled pitching, but they can hit. And Murph knows this. Memphis will hit you. If they've hit UCF pitching, they, they'll hit. And I think yeah, they might have the best offense in this bracket. I know everybody likes Tulane, but I wonder how much of Tulane's offense was based on home field compared to being on the road, whereas Memphis has hit everywhere. Uh, so I, I think Memphis is the sleet, a dangerous team here, and I would not be surprised if – your final four, it's UCF and Memphis on one bracket, and then Houston and uh, Houston or Connecticut against ECU in the other. 
You're not going to get any argument from me on that one. I would love to call a Memphis UCF game at the tournament or two. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, either way, like we said, the American.org is where you want to follow it. Also follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Uh, you can follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elo, Spokes underscore Murphy. Follow us all at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. All right, and I will conclude this special edition by asking you guys real quick, ECU or the field? Eric? I'm going to take the field just because I do think Houston or Connecticut are capable of knocking off East Carolina. Uh, so I'm going to take the field, but obviously East Carolina is the favorite. I'll, I'll take ECU. This is not just a team that, that is great. They're, they're so good. It's also a team that's playing for something. They have not They have not in any way guaranteed themselves a top eight national seed, which if they sure. make, which, which would give them the host, uh, site for a super regional. So they, they're playing with something, they're going in there with something to play for. And they're already by far the best team in the league, so I'll take ECU. You're not going to get any predictions out of me. I'm going to pull a Herb Street there and kind of and, and abstain. Oh, but so what's, your final, what's, your, what's your final pick, Murph? Uh, my final pick is ECU winning that conference tournament against, uh, oh, God. I don't want to say UCF, but I, they are the second best team. Whoa. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, it's weird, but like at this point, UCF's probably the best team on that side of the bracket. So, as much as I just, it's weird how we're, we've gotten to this point because of, of what this team was back in like March and some parts of April. Maybe it's ECU and UCF. You might Which be is, right. by the way, a credit, a credit to Greg Lovelady and his staff for riding the ship and really turning this around. We're, I mean, let's be honest, we were doing shows a month ago. We thought it was bleak, right? I mean, we, yep. we pretty well, much was putting the grave I, I, on them, and and with all the injuries, the injuries they've had in the bullpen, and the you know the flaws and the struggles you, they've had to play themselves into this position, the fact that we're having this conversation about UCF possibly playing for the championship and getting into the NCAA tournament, I think is a credit uh, to Greg and the staff and the job they've done. We talked. I talked. I said explicitly on the show back during the doldrums that I, I said explicitly this team's not very good. Uh, and, and, and it just didn't look very good. Like the pitching was a mess and the offense was sort of a, a half good. Um, and, and so to see where it is now after the last 14 games, they've won 11, six by one run, some where they had huge leads and then blew them and just crazy things that have happened. Uh, guys have stepped up. It, it's, uh, it's nuts that we're here. And yet they are, again, the second hottest team heading into this tournament. And we all know that. In playoff settings, it's not the best team, but often the hottest team that wins. And they are. Eight of nine, at least, coming in. We'll see if that carries over into Tuesday as the Knights play uh, against Tulane and their run in the 2019 American Athletic Conference Baseball Championship uh, continues. All right. So for all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, hopefully we'll see you down in Clearwater. If not, that's okay. You can catch us on the American Digital Network and right here at Black and Gold Banneret. Com. Eric, Murph, you guys travel safe. I'll see you down there. See ya, Jeffrey. Here, boy. All right. Thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you later on this week.